And welcome into Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists. They're Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Finally, after, what, eight and a half months, it is game week for the Florida Gators. They kicked their 2021 season off Saturday night at the Swamp against Willie Taggart and Florida Atlantic. Denny, there's a lot of great college football, but any college football is going to be good this weekend. I'm going to watch a ton of it. I know you're excited for the season to get underway. It feels like longer than eight months. I don't know if it was because of the you know COVID stuff last year or whatever, but it feels – I know it's still not back to normal, but it feels more normal than it did last year, right? right. I mean, so, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I had a big weekend. I'm Orlando tomorrow night um, oh, for, for UCF, UCF Boise. Boise State. And then um, Charlotte Saturday night for Georgia-Clemson. Wow. And then I'm um, Tallahassee on Sunday for Florida State and Notre Dame. That's pretty good. So yeah, not a bad weekend. That's not a bad weekend. No, not a bad weekend at all. So I, I'm fired up. I'm excited to see this version of the Gators and uh, excited to see what it, what they look like. All right. So get to know your opponent a little bit. Florida Atlantic was a bowl team last year, for whatever that's worth. Wasn't everybody? Uh, pretty much. Uh, they won five games in Conference USA. Beat teams like Texas San Antonio. They beat UMass. They beat Florida International. Obviously, we know Willie Taggart's their, their head coach, the former Florida State head coach, Nikosi Perry, the former Hurricane quarterback, is now the quarterback of FAU. He was just given the starting job. So, And, and what I find interesting, too, and again, Florida's going to win the game. I'm not going off the deep end here. But 13 of the top 14 Florida Atlantic defensive players from last year are back. 13 of their 14 top tacklers. I believe they're two top guys with sacks last year. So, bottom line is, it's a nice little test for Emory Jones and this new Gator offense playing a middle-of-the-pack to upper-tier Conference USA team that is returning a bunch of defensive guys that did go to a bowl game last year. Yeah, I think it's like exactly what you want for the first game, right? I think their first two games are exactly what you want for the first two games. Um you know, obviously before you get to Alabama. But, no, I think you're right. I, I think it will be be one of those games where they provide just enough resistance that it maybe makes you, you know, ha- have to go a little deeper than what you would normally go in that opener. At the same time, you, you can't help but look at some of the other games around the country. Oh, right. And be like, ah, dang, I wish we were playing in one of those. Well, that's true. The SEC, though, has got the, the highlight games – a majority of the SEC this week is just blah. Oh, I got you. Yeah. No, I got you. I, I mean, I, you and I agree on this. I wouldn't play the bigger games right. until I have to, um, but they are exciting. And it is one of those things where as you continue to evolve back to prominence at the University of Florida, you're going to have to get more of those games to to do that. And I think you look at Georgia and Alabama and, and they're doing that, you know, year after year after year. So, um I'm excited about seeing it. I hope that I can turn it off at halftime. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that's the situation. See, this is the kind of game for me where I think maybe end of the first quarter, middle of the second, Gator fans might be scratching their head. They're only up 10 or 14, and then all of a sudden you turn around and you're up 24. 
I think it's going to be a competitive ball game, maybe the first quarter, quarter and a half, maybe all the way to halftime, but I tend to doubt that. But I think you're looking at a 41-13 type outcome, 44-16 type outcome, something along those lines. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think if you're up 14 after the first quarter, you're on your way. I mean, you're good. Right. You're, you're good to go. I know what you say. Like, you can be up 14 easily, and you can be up 14 where it feels a little harder. Um, but I, I'm with you. I, I, I don't think the game's – I don't really think it's ever close. I think this Gator team, specifically the defense, has so much to prove and such a chip on their shoulder. I mean, you think about everything that's happened since mid-November of last year, right, with the, the ending the season with three losses – Really getting embarrassed in two of those. Um, and then on top of that, just the the Dan Mullen rumors and then the Todd Grantham, I'm going to call it slander because I don't know the other word. He he earned every bit of it. But them keeping him then after that. Um, and, and really just being left out of the whole conversation in the SEC East, I think this team does play with the chip on their shoulder, especially early. What kind of challenge does a guy like Nikosi Perry bring a Gator defense that wasn't very good last year? Nikosi Perry, if nothing else, has played a lot of college football and did play at the highest level at the University of Miami. Obviously, didn't work out there towards the end. He transfers out, is now at FAU. I like the challenge a guy like that brings to this Gator defense right out of the gate. Yeah, I've never been a big Nikosi Perry guy. I saw him in high school, and it was one of those things where it was like, ah, he's really going to Miami? Like, that just doesn't seem right, right? I, I just never thought his skill set matched the hype with him. Um, and, I, and, I mean, I, from what I've seen in Miami, I have no reason to double back on that. So I don't think – I would have been a little more worried if they were going to trot Tronny out there. Nick Tronny, former Mr. Football in the state of Florida, Pontevedra here, uh, led them to a state championship runner-up a few years ago. Right, and I haven't seen Nick in, in a couple years, but what I know about that kid is he's a competitor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he's a load. Like, he, he takes off and runs, and, and he's, you know, one of the strongest guys in the weight room. Smart kid. Like, I, I, I'm I'm a little, as a Gator fan, I'm, I'm kind of happy that they're sending uh, Nikosi Perry out there instead of Nick Tronny. From an offensive point of view, We'll get to Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson in a moment. But like we said, FAU does return 13 of their top 14 defenders from a five-win bowl season last year. What, if any, challenges will a veteran defense, a defense that's used to playing with one another, what challenges will that present a guy like Emory and even Anthony as they get their first you know, real significant playing time in a while? I would hope not much. I, I would hope that that's not much different um, in the first game because your your first game should be largely things you're very comfortable with, right, that you're good at. And, you know, base level install, talk about it at the NFL level with preseason games so you can see kind of where people are in their base, offense and defense. That's what this should be for Florida. It should be, you know, a 20-play script that you could turn around and run again, if that makes sense, out of different formations. Um, and so I would hope – as a Florida fan, what I'm hoping to see is a level of comfort, a level of ease, a level of getting the ball out quickly, and it just looks right. I don't need the big splash plays the first game. Mm-hmm. I just need to know that on a base level, um, offensively, they can move the ball without you know holding the ball in the pocket too long, and defensively, they can line up properly. And I know that sounds 
elementary, but it's 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 true. When you go look at you know pro preseason games, that's what you want to see from pro teams. It's the same thing you want to see in what's a I don't want to call it a cupcake game, but a warm up game at the college level. Emory Jones gets the start. He's listed as first on the depth chart. The star, the depth chart, the Gators released earlier this week. As we've talked about many times, and you were very passionate about this last week, Anthony Richardson is certainly um, causing a stir, making some noise, whatever verbiage you want to use, out on the practice field. How would you anticipate playing time for the quarterbacks on Saturday night? Um, I think in the first game, I- I'm going to say how I would do it if I was Dan Mullen. What I would do is as long as Emory's hot, he stays in. Because what I don't want to do at this point is I don't want the exact same situation. I don't want to have first-team offense against first-team defense. And Emory even struggles a little bit, and you put Anthony in, he makes it look easy, and now you've had a quarterback competition. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go with Emory, go with Emory, at least for the first you know, quarter and a half, half, something like that. Um, and and then you know you hope to get Anthony a ton of snaps um, after after they get up by you know I don't think it'll be they won't need to be up by thirty you get up by twenty one you start to put Anthony in um, but I you know I like Emory a lot and I've worked a little bit with Emory and I want Emory to get some confidence I don't want him looking over the shoulder because Emory knows how good Anthony is mm-hmm. like he he knows. You know, I spoke with a former Gator coach this week, and his quote was, "You know, people talk about generational. Anthony's generational. Emory knows that, so you can't be looking over your shoulder the whole year. At least give him, you know, a little bit of time before you start plugging Anthony Richardson in, because the minute that Gator fans see Anthony Richardson and what he brings to the table, it may be a wrap for Emory." Today's Gator Bites podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. For the highest quality care, you can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. You can log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com, and you can listen for Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the good Dr. Kevin Murphy, on Thursday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour with Jeff and Dan right here on 1010XL for his weekly analysis of injuries in the world of sports. Back to that thought. You were in agreement, though, and again, you you do quarterback training now very successfully, uh, both locally, regionally, and nationally. You talk about all the games you're going to. The reason you're going to all these games is you've trained quarterbacks Mm -hmm. that are going to be playing in all these games. Denny knows what he's talking about when it comes to quarterback play. But we're in agreement, though. Does Emory need to falter to open the door for Anthony Richardson? Or is it a matter of even if Emory plays well, you cannot keep Anthony Richardson off the field? Um, I'm going to go back to I don't know the answer to that. I just know when you get to week three, the person who gives you the best chance to win needs to be out there. Okay. Period. Um, now, if you're Emory, you kind of control that. Because if you go out and you're flawless and the the and the offense is running the way Dan Mullen wants it to run, um, then you're the answer. Well, is there a worry in your mind then, if Emory knows how good Anthony is, mm-hmm. is there any concern about pressing the issue a little bit? You know, I, I use the term pressing with guys who aren't talented enough to press. Emory is. Mm-hmm. E- Emory, like, I want Emory fill, feeling that pressure. I want Emory taking the shots that 
you know, down the field that m- most people can't take. He he's that talented. Emory is an is an upper level SEC talent starter, right? He's top four or five guy in the league. It's just he's got this beast behind him, right? Emory can handle whatever you throw at him. Um, I think where it starts to get a little bit hairy is if Emory goes out and throws, you know, two picks or has, you know, five or six straight incompletions and you're playing FI or FAU or USF and you've 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 got back to back three and outs. And people start to get a little antsy. I think that's where maybe you trot Anthony in there and and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I just feel like where Anthony's at in his development, um, once he goes out there, it's gonna be hard to get him out. Aside from quarterback, so take Emory and Anthony off the board for a second. Come Saturday night, after all the talk this entire offseason, give me one or two offensive guys, non-quarterbacks, that you're most excited about watching. Uh, Justin Shorter. Um, I, I've I've been talking about him really since the end of last season. I, you're really high on him. I am. I, well, I'm high on his talent. I, I need that to kind of translate well I think you could see last year there's a reason why he was a five-star correct coming out of high school the talent is certainly there and now without Grimes without Tony without Pitts Shorter's one of your guys moving forward he's got to be he's got to be I'm gonna stay I'm gonna stay at receiver I'm gonna say him and I'm gonna say Xavier Henderson Mm -hmm. Um, because the Gators go as those two goes they have a plethora of running backs I was gonna say Demarcus Bowman but if Demarcus Bowman isn't where you think he should be then you've got four other guys but you don't you don't go very far as a team without two playmakers at receiver. And while they've got you know Copeland and they've got um, Wells and all those guys, I think it starts with Shorter and Henderson as being your next two NFL ready body guys. See, it's interesting you say that, and I don't disagree with you. But right when you said that, to me. The next guy in line or the next guy that they want to be is Copeland. Yeah. They give him the number one jersey like Kadarius Tony had. Copeland is probably their most – I'd have to go back and look at the stats. I would have to think Copeland had more catches than Shorter last year. It's probably, probably close. Yeah. But certainly over the last two years, Copeland is the best uh, player returning to that Gator wide receiver room. But you think Henderson and Shorter over Copeland. Well, yes, yeah, who I want to see, right? And I want to see the gains those two guys have made. Copeland's been in Gainesville for 37 years. Long time. Um, Henderson. Since his mom got mad on national TV that he committed to Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, and that was in black and white. Yeah. Um, I think Henderson is at that point in his development, much like Anthony, where you should see that next big jump. Mm -hmm. And shorter flash some things at the end of last season that just make me curious. So, I mean, those, I, I don't disagree with you. I just think those are the two I'm most interested in seeing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'd throw in the two tight ends, Gamble yeah. and Zipperer as well, two guys I'm pretty interested in. And again, I don't know how interested you can be in offensive line play, but I want to see Stuart Reese. I want to see Garage. I want to see DeLance. Have these guys. You want to see them as a unit. Quite frankly, improved from where they were a year ago. Yeah, yeah. you want to see them as a unit. You don't give a crap about them individually. No, you, you want but to... can they open the holes right. for the running backs? Can they give Emory Jones time? Because this offense can have the greatest receivers, running back, and quarterback on planet Earth. None of that matters if you don't have an offensive line. Correct. No, I'm with you on that. I, I want to see as a unit where they where they stand against two teams they should dominate. So we can get an idea where they're going to stand against Alabama. Same question to you. One or two guys on defense. Um, that's a tough one. I'm going to kind of take your offensive line play, and I want to see the safety play in general, mm-hmm. regardless of who it is. Which was very bad last year. Right. I, I want to see 
um, you know, do they have the true roam the field guy? Do they have the run support guy um, as well? Like, I, I just want to see that play in, in general. Um, and I, I hate to not single out somebody. I think Elam, we know who he is. But same with the defensive line. Mm-hmm. And it's not the pass rush. I feel like that's kind of a given. I feel like they can get in. They, they can get pressure. Where are we at in the run game? Like that's the and how thing. will the two big transfers help? Right. It, it's when you're playing, you know, Georgia and Alabama, your and LSU are your three biggest games. Um, all three have you know new quarterbacks to you. Mm-hmm. I guess LSU played Max Johnson last year, but he's still considered new. The default is going to be you got to stop the run before you worry about what those guys do, right? So can you stop the run? And you should be able to dominate the run the first two weeks. And so those are the things. Safeties play a big part in that run fit game. Um, I think their linebackers are okay, so that's why I'm not saying them. But their defensive line has a chance to be one of the best units in the country. So I, I, I need to see that right off the bat. Dexter, I think is going to be a monster. I want to see him in year number two. And Zach Carter, it's your time. I mean, we've heard about Zach Carter now for a few years now, how great Zach Carter is. And, and there have been some great moments. I don't think necessarily he's lived up yet to what we thought he was coming out of high school. I think this year is Zach Carter's year. This is your money year. Brenton if Cox. you go out and perform, you Brenton Cox too. If both of those guys go out and perform, you could be talking first or second round draft no picks doubt. Yeah. for both Carter and Brenton Cox. So this is the moment. Ventrell Miller's back again. He's been there forever. Defensively, that's what's crazy is. As bad as this defense was, and it might have been the worst Gator defense of all time, and I'm serious about that. Yep. It's in the conversation. You look at the guys that are returning, on paper, they have a lot of guys that have played a lot of football. Can they get coached up properly, be put in the right spots to avenge, essentially, what happened a year ago? They have four to five guys who are going to be top two or three round draft picks. I mean, when you talk about Zach Carter, Brenton Cox, Kyrie Elam, Elam for sure, Carter and Cox more than likely first or second round picks. Dexter, although he's a sophomore, that guy's a monster. He's unreal, yeah. And so, absolutely, they got so much talent back there. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's the thing. You you got to dominate the first two games. You guys have to be excited to play, which I you know I know they are. It's going to be hot. You know, it's it's a nighttime kickoff on this one, but I think the next week is day. Yeah, one o'clock in the afternoon against yeah. USF. So I mean, you, you want to see just that fire to play the game. Um, and, and the intensity that matches that and the level of focus really defensively, that's really what we're talking about. A level of focus of, okay, crawl, walk, run, line up first, fit the run second, make a play third. I want to go over all the other SEC games, at least the ones of note real quick as we wrap up here. I got 44, 16, Florida. Where are you at? I'll say the same thing. I said same area, 42, 17, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not yeah. going to be 59-3. Right. I mean, this is not a terrible FAU be. team. It could be. Eh, maybe. But, again, it's an FAU team that went to a bowl game, FAU team that won five games, finished second in their division in Conference USA last year. Today's Gator Bites podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. They're Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. We'll start at the end of the week, Monday night, Ole Miss, Louisville. 
Interested to see what Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral have this year as they begin against the Louisville Cardinal. Matt Corral is really stinking good. Maybe it's either he or Spencer Rattler have the best arm talent in the country this year. I mean, he's he's really stinking good. So I'm not a big Lane Kiffin guy, but I, I'm a huge Matt Corral fan. You think Ole Miss wins the game? Oh, God, they blow him out. Blow out Louisville. Yeah, 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 yeah. LSU goes to California, plays a UCLA team that just simply overmatched Hawaii last week. UCLA will have an advantage. They got one game under their belt already as LSU goes out there for an 8.30 kick East Coast time on Fox. Is that Saturday? Saturday night, yep. Um, I wouldn't – you better not overlook UCLA. UCLA brings a ton back from last year. It's a weird game for LSU. You got, I mean, by the way, you had the hurricane issue right. this week. You got to fly to California for the game. That's an odd setup. Yeah, I, it, it's uh, in UCLA. Like some of the guys that I work with are out in the LA area, um, and they're picking up momentum, man. Like the, there's a buzz about UCLA this year that hasn't been there in years past. Um, so I, I mean, I think LSU wins, but it could come down to the end. I agree. I think Ole Miss beats Louisville maybe a little closer than you thought. I think LSU, that's clunky. I think they're going to win because I think they got better lines of scrimmage, but that's an odd game. I think LSU wins it in the fourth quarter. Um, Alabama, Miami, 330 in Atlanta. My guy Leon Searcy heading up there. He thinks the Canes are going to put 28 on the Crimson Tide. I said maybe, but is Alabama going to score 50? That's the question. Bryce Young making his starting debut for Alabama. What do you think? Tide and the Canes. Uh, I think Alabama blows them out of the water. Blows out Miami. Yeah, I don't even think it's. Uh, I don't think it's ever a game. Wow. No, I, I, Bryce Young. Is that an? Is that low on Miami or over the moon high on Alabama for you? Combination. Okay. A combination. But Miami is going to have to like really. They've become the new USC in that every year they're ranked higher than what they should be. Yeah. And one of these years it's going to catch up, and they're going to, you know, they're going to kind of hold that standard. But I, I don't think it's this year. But listen, Bryce Young's a blast, man. He is a lot of fun to watch. He is very hard to contain. He's going to make a lot of simple plays spectacular. Um, they're going to be able to run the ball whenever they want to. So I, I just I don't see how you stop. You have to keep up with my with uh, Alabama. Alabama's a nineteen and a half point favorite. I take it you're taking those points. Whew, that's a lot. Are they really? 19 and a half. I'd have to sleep At the on recording that of this podcast. Yeah, I'd have later. to sleep on that one. I don't know. I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah. I mean, 20 points is a lot, bro. Well, I think Alabama right now is a 13-point favorite coming into Gainesville. Yeah. I'd probably take those points. But, um, wow. I mean, you never know. I mean, that's a, that's a weird line because they could get up by 28 and, and then Miami have two garbage touchdowns. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it'll ever be in doubt, I guess, is my bigger thing on that game. All right, two-minute warning, two minutes to go. Really quick before we get to the game of the week, you'll be in Tallahassee Sunday night for the Fighting Irish and the Seminoles. Um, based on everything coming out of practice in Tallahassee by what I would call objective media people and not mm -hmm. people that are employed by the school, might be a long year for Florida State. Yeah, it, no, it's going to be a long year for Florida State. I've seen a lot of them. Um, if this staff wins seven games, you extend them as long as they want to be extended. If they win seven? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it, I take it a, one of those seven will not be Sunday night. 
No, no, it won't be. But it's a good test for them. Although strange things happen at night in Doe Campbell Stadium. Yeah, they we've seen it enough through the years and then get blown out by. Well, I'm just saying, Virginia Tech, Doe Campbell at night, like North Carolina last year, Florida State had no business winning that game. Yeah, I just there's such a it's shocking how low the talent is in Tallahassee right now. When you when you go out there and you watch, I think Jordan Travis is going to be a good player, but um, when you go out and you watch a practice for Florida State and you go and you watch a practice somewhere else, it's not the organization, all that. All that's great. It's just the size. Mm-hmm. They're, they're small. Um, so it, it, it's going to be interesting. I think it's definitely you know a rebuild year for Mike Norvell, but I'm, I'm a big fan of Mike Norvell. I think he's doing a fantastic job. Leave us with this. I know you got to go to Jaguars today uh, in one moment. Alabama, Georgia and Clemson, clearly the game of the week nationally. Not that the loser's out of the playoff, because they're not, but boy, what it does for the winner. What do you think, Charlotte, North Carolina, on Saturday night? Well, I think if you look at the quarterback play, Clemson has the better quarterback. Um, you take DJ over JT? Absolutely, yeah. Um, Georgia's injuries, you have to look at those. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it's a matter of I don't really know what Clemson has defensively. I mean, it, it can Georgia run the ball? So, I mean, I think Clemson wins it. I think it's a close game, but I think Clemson wins it just because I think DJ's that good. DJ will be the number one overall pick in two years. Um, and and I factor in those injuries. I mean, there's some significant injuries. You, arguably your best couple of players, if you're Georgia and Darnell Washington and, um, and Pickens, George Pickens, they're out. You're right. I mean, those are probably your two best offensive players. And the one thing about the team that loses this game is your mulligan's gone week one. Well, Georgia you don't probably play else to Florida. Well, that's true, but you cannot lose again Yeah. if you're Georgia or Clemson. Loser's not eliminated, but what happens to the loser is you basically have to win out the rest of your games. Right. If Georgia was playing Alabama, it'd be different, but they're not. Um, you know, I'm talking about later in the year. They're not. They're, their schedule's soft until they get to Florida. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. They If they lose this one, they're going to have to run the table. What a fantastic weekend of college awesome. football. Can't wait, man. It's going to be great. Absolutely great. We'll be back next week to review Florida Atlantic, to preview a trip to Tampa, to Raymond James Stadium, where Florida will take on South Florida in week number two. That is Denny Thompson. You get him all over 1010XL and 92.5 FM, including with us on XL Primetime Thursdays. Yep. Now at 1.30 every Thursday, Denny Thompson with us on XL Primetime. Thank you for watching and listening to Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network and on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page.